Welcome to the Standard Age Podcast, a casual conversation about the lives of entrepreneurs and those growing companies. I can't thank you enough for listening as these episodes have been a wonderful supplement to the line of apparel that I'm thrilled to share is steadily growing. If you like what you hear, please visit standard-h.com and sign up for our email list. The website not only hosts every episode of this show, but also allows you to explore the entire product assortment and our latest travel recommendations. As an email subscriber, you will be the first to receive product release information as well as receive offers no one else is privy to. Just visit standard-h.com for more information. Seeing Standard H worn by a growing number of watch enthusiasts has been incredibly cool to witness, so chances are good if you're listening to this, you're probably an enthusiast already. However, if not, it makes no difference as Passion Find Jewelry welcomes everyone into their shop in Solana Beach, California. If you're already in deep, you'll know some of the brands that Tim Jackson and his team carry, which are some of the most highly sought-after independent watch manufacturers sold today. Names like Roger Smith, Grunfeld, Kudoke, Habring, Sarpaneva, and many more. If you can't make it to California, visit passionfinejewelry.com for their entire offering online. This episode is also brought to you by Contonement. Contonement's flagship product, the Kerchief, is a perfect medium between a handkerchief and a bandana. Featuring iconic designs such as the Fender Stratocaster and the dashboard of a Volkswagen GTI, these utilitarian cloths are an item that should be a mainstay in your everyday carry. Tuck one in a back pocket or use one as a neckerchief. Visit them at contonement.co, that's C-A-N-T-O-N-M-E-N-T dot co, and use the code STANDARDH in all caps, no spaces, for 20% off everything in their online shop. Now let's get to the show. Today's podcast began roughly four years ago in a roundabout way. I got married in May 2019, and today's guest, Chris Evans, was booked to be our wedding photographer. At the time, neither my wife or I had met him before. We simply chose him based on his portfolio and a few reviews we'd read online. I had no idea what he looked like, but when the day came, he walked in, dark suit, sunglasses, and a lot of positive energy. His Gucci belt provoked me to share that I once worked for the company, only to realize we shared a mutual friend still in the business, and we further connected discussing surfing and even photography in general. Chris is a guitar player, a watch enthusiast, he has one of the more interesting first car stories I've ever heard, and much like my wedding day, he still comes to us with the positive energy. We talked about collecting, the one-in-one-out philosophies, Chris's reason brought a smile to my face, and of course, why he's a wedding photographer. This recording was unique because we actually conducted this chat while sitting on the back bumper of his X5 with the tailgate open by the Malibu Lagoon. I really enjoyed listening to Chris discuss the importance of relationships, which is inevitably how and why we remain in touch. So without further ado, here's my conversation with my wedding photographer and friend, Chris Evans. I'm your host, Wesley Smith, and you're listening to the Standard Age Podcast. Calm, balance, peace, and ease, and exhale all stress, negativity, and toxic energy today, folks. That is what we're here to do. This sounds like you were raised in NorCal. (laughs) I've been going very deep in my meditation lately. All right. Well, Mr. Chris Evans, none other, a.k.a. than my wedding photographer, uh, on the podcast today in Malibu with a few minor setbacks leading into this conversation. Uh, we had a battery problem. We had a security problem. 
And then think, we, we were accosted by, by a strange woman wanting to shop for Valentine's Day gifts for our And then wife. ask for a date. <laughs> for a referral. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Dating service. <laughs> and then a coffee spillage. So, yeah, we're uh, clicking on all cylinders here. Um, wanted to start with you were raised in Laguna Beach, but yet my wife found you somehow for photography reasons for our wedding four years ago. Yes. That's... So how did you end up on, I rarely talk about myself on this podcast, so. Today's a safe space for that, though. Kind of, kind of a flex, but I got married on Maui. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, you were our photographer and did an insane job, such a great job. Thank shout you, out sir. Dane, just real quick. Well, shout out for Dane, too. Yeah, shout out Dane. He's going to listen to this, he better. I hope so. Yeah, so we'll just kind of start at the beginning, you know. I grew yeah. up in Laguna Beach, California, two incredible artist parents. My mom was a luxury wedding dress designer. Oh, no um, way. And yeah, so I've been in the wedding, like, surrounded by beautiful brides and the wedding industry my whole life sure um, very artistic parents grew up surfing skating just the you know the the typical you know charmed you know beach town life which is so lucky for me uh 2010 my wife and i sold every single thing we had and we moved to maui with uh eight duffel bags our two-year-old our cat and a dog and basically just a blank slate looking ahead of us i wasn't even into weddings yet which was pretty amazing um, got a job waiting tables. Next thing you know, I was shooting some family portraits and then a friend asked me to do a wedding. And then all of a sudden just, we're skipping a few steps here, but I sort of emerged. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because like, did you, so were you shooting photos as a kid? I was, yeah. So before we moved, I was not only playing in bands as a guitar player, but I was also a photographer doing fashion, editorial, lifestyle, actors, headshots, bands, things like that. Um, but, you know, weddings, like the idea of being a wedding photographer to me at the time just seemed like the like the lowest bar of art. Interesting. And little did I know that until I shot my first one that it was going to be like the defining factor and pursuit of the rest of my life. Well, it's interesting because I think part of the reason we chose you as our photographer was you shot it in a very like editorial like fashion that I recognize it looked very much like. I don't know, fashion magazine spread as opposed to, I don't know, just two people feeding each other cake. I love that. And I do love the pictures of you guys feeding each other cake. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think, you know, for me, what, what turns me on as an artist is the ability to elevate my subjects to, into these larger than life yeah. like moments and right. let them feel as if they are, because they are the most important person and the star of the show. But in that moment to celebrate their uniqueness, their style, and their beauty in such a way that, that when they see those pictures and relive those moments, they feel that that was truly their highest level of elevation. Right. And that's what really excites me for right. what I do. That's cool, man. What was, uh, what was your first car? Did you have a car in high school? Uh, my first car, oh man, oh, it was a great one. So my sister, she's a costume designer, and she was working on the Jeff Goldblum movie Powder. I'm going to date myself a little bit. Wow. And um, the car he drove in that movie was a 1984 Ram Charger like SUV. She bought it off the movie set, and that was my first car. Was no the, way. So it was a two-tone beige and brown stock tires, the most epic little big beast and i drove it till it exploded wow that's insane man well you're a guitar player what were you listening to in the truck 
Um, it was pretty much at that time in high school, it was all reggae music. I really grew, grew up on like deep roots, everything from like the gladiators, obviously Bob Marley, but like Peter Tosh, Bunny Whaler, um, Dennis Brown, Jacob Miller, just really deep reggae cuts. Were you into like Buju Bantan and that kind of thing? Totally. I love Buju. Heck pa- yeah. Buju Bantan, Pato Bantan, all the Bantans. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's cool, man. What, what, what's your guitar maker of choice i'm a fender strat guy okay um i've got some beautiful ones i have my oldest guitar i've got a 1981 olympic white strat that's just gorgeous and then this lake placid blue i got it in like 2000 um that was a really beautiful guitar too okay so obviously there are such things as guitar collectors out there clearly yes what I mean, I guess is it just advancement in technology that gets these guitars, even though they look identical, to sound different? You know what it is? Guitars, they're just, they're such beautiful pieces of art, you know, like watches and like cars and paintings. And, and I know we're going to talk about all this stuff too, but right. But sometimes you walk into a music store and you just see an instrument that yeah. is so beautiful. It just speaks and, to you. And you just have to play it, you yeah. know, and, and every guitar does sound different. You know, and as a surfer too, every surfboard rides different. Sure. Yeah, that's so true. And it's just, you know, there's not only are they great tools for creating beautiful things, but they're just, they're just such unique pieces of art. That's super cool, man. I, um, I kind of feel that way with drums. I think just like the, the finishing on the, the drum, the shells and stuff, and just like the color of the drums could either like turn me off or make me want to sit down and play them. Oh, for sure. You know, so, I mean, I don't know, but I'm so driven by aesthetics anyway, Yeah. which I guess gets back to why we chose you as our photographer. <laughs> Probably. Right? So like. And the suits, you know, Dane and I wore when we showed up at your wedding too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And me as a former Gucci employee, we share a couple of mutual friends, as it were. We do. We <laughs> which do. was, I don't know, the epitome of a small world type of thing. Um, you grew up surfing though, yeah? Yes, that's been my biggest passion of my entire life. Of everything else I've ever pursued, it's my life in the ocean. Always been a shortboard guy, or pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's just you know, I started skateboarding as a little kid, and then as soon sure. as I started surfing, it was just like, oh, I just want to like, I just want to rip. I want to be rad and right, and you know, get rad and be cool. Who who were the surfers you kind of admired most? Oh man, so again, I'm gonna date myself a little bit, but I grew up on a steady diet of Kelly Slater, Shane Dorian, Taylor Knox, Rob Machado, um, just that whole momentum era. Yeah, those surf movies. Sure. Um, early nineties. Yeah, early nineties. That was like my. So not Tom Curran. Love Tom Curran always, and like as when I was first getting into the sport, he was the goat still at that moment. But it was the next generation of guys that were like really like doing the airs and like just really progressing surfing to the next level did you ever see that footage of tom curran i think it was literally his first wave ever at j bay when he does the one footed tail slide did you ever yeah i, I broke the v- vhs rewinding that so many times. his first ever wave yeah it was insane anyway so crazy so on the topic of surfing still board specifically because i like details yes what what's What's the length? What's the width? Are we riding thrusters or quads or what are we doing? I'm a thruster guy. Um, currently, my quiver sits at about 12 boards in my garage. Three <laughs> don't even have wax on them yet. I'm a little bit of a surfboard hoarder. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. My, as long as one goes out every time a new one goes in, typically, then you know I can re- retain equanimity and the wife doesn't notice the, the 
new collection growing. Um, Super smart. So smart. I'm on it. <laughs> but right now I'm really loving, like, there's this, been this big throwback to, like, 80s-style shortboards. Okay. Where they're taking the volume of longer boards and we're squishing them down into a shorter form factor. Yeah. So right now my favorite boards are between 5'9 and 5'11. But they have about 30 liters, so the same amount of liters that would go into like a 6.1. So right, so a lot of float. So it's a smaller package, but I can paddle it very, very fast. And once I'm up, I'm able to put that board into like really like critical parts of the wave, which I just sure, love. Sure, sure. And you're what, six feet? I'm six feet, yeah. Right, so I would say over the last, what, 15, 20 years, everybody just keeps going shorter and shorter, it seems. Yeah, pretty much. And I've got a stable of bigger boards because where I live now, it gets there's some really heavy beach breaks, so there's right. not a lot of channels. So once it's 8 to 10 foot, then I'm breaking out the 6.2s to the 6.5s, um, sometimes even the 7.0s when it's really, really big. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you're not switching to quads even still? I just I just have never gotten into the quad thing. I mean, everyone raves about them. Because won't they tuck them. better on a, on a steeper wave? The theory is, is they have a better drive down mm -hmm. the line, mm -hmm. um, little less maneuverability. Sure. You know, so for me, I'm still, I've been able to generate enough speed on the thrusters. I just, I haven't, I'm sure as soon as I try a quad, I'm going to love it. Right. But I just haven't gotten into it yet. Right, right. Interesting. I'm a creature of habit. Well, aren't we all? And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If you're still having fun, why, why mess with the fun factor? <laughs> Always having fun. Do you fun. know what I mean? <laughs> totally. <laughs> what was your first camera? Oh, man, it's a great question. Very first camera, my mom's very best friend, Roberta, give a shout out to you. She gave me for my 14th birthday a Canon AE-1 film camera. I had the same one. With the 50 millimeter lens. Oh my God, yeah. That was like, that was my jam. The minute I got that and I had my like, my Kodak slide films, my dad always shot slides, so I was always on the Kodachrome just that thing was with me every day at the beach like every time i'd go skate every time we'd go on adventures like i just shot everything from like my friends surfing and skating the girls on the beach it was just my entire lifestyle was wrapped yeah. up in that camera which was pretty fun so getting into weddings then like were you was your mom anything to do with that was she getting you first gigs or anything no no so by that time you know i she was already been retired for a long time oh i see and uh so when we moved to maui you know it was just we really didn't have a plan my wife was a hairdresser for many many years and she was just going to get a job in a salon and i was gonna just get a job waiting tables and you know just kind of go from there um and then a girlfriend of ours was getting married and she was a model and i'd done some modeling shots for her in the past she was like i'm getting married on Kauai. you got to come shoot my wedding and i'm like I don't want to shoot your wedding. Like I want to come and party. Right. She's like, dude, you're shooting my wedding. Your wife's a bridesmaid. Your daughter's a flower girl. You're shooting my wedding. That's it. It's period. I'm like, okay, twist my arm. The and Evans yeah. are holding this wedding down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're like a major part of this. Right. Right. And, um, I just, I can't even tell you like from the moment I walked up and had the camera in my hand and the gravity of what the job at hand was. Right. I, instantly fell in love with it interesting the pressure to create a body of work yeah because you can't redo it there's no you can't walk down the aisle again there's no second take there is not right. so it's like you have to nail it so to like so the concept of having to become a master of craft a b to the gravity of creating that body of work that you know is going to be so celebrated for so long sure and like the guests and like you know parents parents get older grandparents you know like they might not have that much longer left I can't tell you how many times in my career I've had couples call me sometimes within weeks of a wedding saying their 
one of their um, grandparents passed or someone passed and I have the last photos taken of oh, these people. Wow. And like the first time that happened to me, I got incredible chicken skin and just fell in love even more with the importance of what I do. So how did you define your style? How would you describe your style? Now, you know, it's evolved over the years. I think all artists, you know, we always want to evolve and grow. And as I get older, just a little more wisdom sure. s- creeps in there now. Yeah. Um, for me, I'd say the best way to describe what I do is I strive to create effortless, romantic, beautiful images that record one of the most spectacular days in, in your life. Totally. You know, and I want to do it as authentically and as fashion forward as possible. So you started in 2010, you said? Yeah. You're a Canon guy. I am still. Yeah. So you started with the AE1. And then I went to Nikon when I first decided to get back into photography after my stint as a musician. Right. I got a Nikon D300, which was a great camera. I loved it. But none of my friends were shooting Nikon, so I had no access to borrow lenses. Everyone had Canons. So I basically just took my, uh, I, what did I sell? I sold that camera. I sold two surfboards, which was hard to do. Bought that first uh, <laughs> Canon 5D Mark II, and um, then I was off to the races from there on out. Wow. So not switching it up. What lenses do you use? Um, so basically my main camera, this lens does not leave. It's the 50 millimeter 1.2 wow. L glass. That is 99% of what the work I display, capture, deliver is done on that. So a fast that 50. Setup. Yeah. Um, Obviously, it's, you know, known as sort of how your eye sees the world, right? The 50 millimeter lens is kind of that. Is that why you shoot it? It's one of the, it is like the most natural focal length of what you see, like you said. But there's something about that lens that's so magical. And, mm-hmm. and with it being a fixed length, you know, if I want to get closer and more intimate, I have to be, get closer to my subjects. Right. If I want it to, to tell a wider story, I have to move away. Right. So it's actually become such an extension of of my experience Mm -hmm. um as well i just adore that lens i also have an incredible wide angle i have a 14 to 28 from sigma the new art series yeah incredible it's one of the heaviest lenses i own it's this giant piece of glass that's gorgeous and then my 135 f2 which is an incredible piece of glass as well oh sweet those are like my trifecta now you've done some work in fashion though yeah. Are you still shooting fashion or no? When it falls into my lap, I do. Okay. Um, I'm not out there pursuing it. I've had a lot of amazing success lately shooting bridal editorial, cool. which has become one of my absolute favorite genres to shoot. Why? Um, it's because I get to tell that wedding day story, but I get to tell it strictly through the lens of fashion without the holdbacks of family portraits and without the like the shooting details of you can decor, get a second take i can get a second take right and i can work all day to create 12 images and not 1200 images right 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 but um i currently have uh the latest two covers of california wedding day magazine out in stands right now which is pretty exciting and um arizona wedding day magazine covers dropping next month sweet man congrats yeah. thank you that's amazing thank aside you. from expanding into greater number of weddings per year shot How do you expand your business? So I'm actually trying to expand to lower number of weddings shot at higher price points. Sure. Um, Basically, I'm trying to really hone in on what is it that I love most about the wedding experience for my couples. And what I've loved the most is when we're 
when everyone gallivants off to some incredible location, mm-hmm. whether it's Italy or Tulum or Hawaii, some amazing place, and we spend a weekend together, three days, right. four days. By the end of that trip, not only have I created such a deep body of work for them, but I've created such incredible relationships sure. and bonds, and not just with the couples, but with their friends, with their family, and I really leave that feeling like, you know, I've created a new bond for the rest of my life. Right. Well, and I guess it also lends itself to that intimacy that you crave and and enjoy because not only does the lens denote that you have to be closer, but they probably feel 10 times more comfortable with you after 72 hours than after an hour and a half. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, And I think though, like, you know, for me, I think that is one of my superpowers. It is my ability to walk into a room of people that I've just I've never met in person right. and instantly can put everyone at ease and at calm and they know instantly when I walk in, we made the right choice. This right. is our guy. Yeah, I would I mean, having worked with you, I would have to vouch for that myself. Obviously, lighting is is so essential for photography. You shoot so often outside. Mm-hmm. So, what is that lack of control like and how do you manipulate and or work with lighting because you you can't control it that's such an excellent question you know with with so much experience now you know i've shot when i was living in hawaii it's such a unique place because it's a destination for weddings and the volume of weddings that are available there is Mm -hmm. is outstanding at Mm -hmm. the height of my volume based business i was doing over 100 weddings a year wow so the amount of practice that i would have sure shooting in all lighting conditions yeah no matter what is happening with the light there's a place that's going to work right and it's just a matter of just really getting in tune with your surroundings finding the shadow of a tree finding a little bit of backlight turning you over here maybe finding some open shade you know i can control even in situations i can't control there's still an element of of craft that i'm internalizing and that can typically create exactly what i want 90 percent of the time right that other 10 we just let it just get wild what's funny you mentioned you know the shadows of a tree and such because we were speaking quickly before the pod about you know maui being pretty small and you're kind of limited on locations as to where a venue would take place or or excuse me where a wedding would take place there's only so many venues depending on size of wedding of course yeah um was that inhibiting your creativity at all like did you feel i feel it didn't inhibit it until the very end Mm. where the 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 level that I've attained my business to as far as the clientele that I serve is going to be spending a certain amount of money on a certain type of party that has to happen at a certain type of venue. Sure. And those certain types of venues, there's only about four or five of them on Maui that can even accommodate that. Right. So I just came to a point where, yes, I love every couple. I walk into every wedding. The couple is going to inspire me more than the location. But I just, I couldn't grow any further if every couple was in the same place. Right. So when we packed up and we left Maui in 2020, you know, right before the pandy, <laughs> we're going to, we'll skip past the pandy stuff. We'll come back to that. Right. But, 
you know, now at this point I've shot weddings in Aspen and Vail yeah. and Arizona. I'm going to Atlanta. Like I've, I've got the world is now opened up to me. Sure. And so not only can I continue to be inspired by amazing couples, but I can be inspired by incredible locations. How many people hit you up on the first episode of White Lotus? <laughs> Every single person <laughs> I know. Well, what's interesting is um, there, that first episode, I got seven texts within, I don't know, an hour from the most random people. Like not everybody who lives in San Diego is like, because it was my wedding, right? Like they were coming from all over and they're like, dude, have you seen White Lotus? Have you seen White Lotus? I was like, I mean, I've heard of the show because it's a new show, but why is everybody asking me today whether or not I've seen this show? It's so crazy. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll check it out. And sure enough, the hotel. It was, was all your spots. <laughs> it was so crazy. I, I think we hit like seven of like the 10 main spots. Yeah, it was album. so crazy. It was <laughs> so crazy. But um, anyway, so how much work do you find that you do in post? Or are you editing in the moment? Or I am trying my very hardest. I, my, mental, my mentality is let's not fix it in post. Let's get it right, you know, in camera. So typically the only thing I'm doing in post is just a little bit of um, color temperature, a little bit of exposure, taking care of any obvious things in the background. Right. But that's pretty much it. You know, I have, I do have my signature tones that I use. Sure. That kind of is the baseline for every image I take, no matter where I'm at. But there's still a, a, a whole slew of adjustments that will go into that base layer to keep everything as natural as possible. Do you have presets? Um, yeah, so I basically, I'll have like, you know, this hotel inside, I'll have like cloudy day, you know, winter day, you know, and it's all sort of, again, starting points. Sometimes I throw it all out the window and just go from scratch. Right. right. I just, I never want my images to look artificial. I never want them to look overdone. I'm always shooting for beautiful natural skin tones that really reflect who you are. Right, right. Well, it's good just to do that for workflow, right? Yeah. I mean, and it's it's not about being lazy at that point. It's about like, how do I get through this faster? Because nobody, I mean, I don't know about you. Do you enjoy editing? I, I would imagine snapping the photos is the fun part. I enjoy going through my first round. Right. When I deliver, as you can remember, within 48 hours, that first preview gallery. Yes. I love that portion. Right. Because I'm working so hard and I'm micromanaging every element within my frame. Mm -hmm. I don't really get to experience those photos until that moment. Right. So when I get that first moment to go pretty quickly and not just look for every single thing, right. but finding the ones that are like, oh my gosh, that one's amazing. I love that first part. Okay, so let me ask you this. When you send that little taste right to your client like so we get how many images was it 24 or no, I 48 think it was more. It was like 50 50 okay yeah. so you send us 50 are those your 50 favorites Pretty do you much. never like i guess i guess that makes sense to show you the best ones right i do i do keep a few you don't have like easter eggs there's a few there's okay. still a few in my back pocket okay but i do want to get you so psyched on that first delivery sure that you're gonna flood the gram your friends are gonna repost like you know right. we want to like I want that quality and that wow factor to happen the, from the second it hits your inbox. Yeah. You know. No, I remember we were super stoked to get those. And um, and actually, we were, again, before the pod, I was like, remind me to say yeah. this during the pod. 
we're kind of minimalists when it comes to like interior design and decor. The only things we have framed in our house outside of my office are your photos. Amazing. Like I think there's, I think we have like this one watercolor that we bought in Positano on our honeymoon. Amazing. That's like a five by seven. So it's tiny, but I think it, it, I'll say this 75% of the artwork, which is not much artwork are your photographs in our house. I love to hear that. Yeah. It's, it's exciting. And and I do find that I'll stop and look at them from time to time. And which ones did you print and you blew up? Which ones were like your favorites as far as vibe? The one that you mentioned earlier. So we were kind of standing apart. We were backlit at night because we got married sort of later in the day. Um, so it's kind of the silhouette of these trees, yet it's taken during sunset, but we're backlit with, I don't know, some kind of... Um, some strobes. Yeah. yeah, a strobe. I think two. Yeah. I think it was two strobes that you used. One behind me, one behind her. And um, that's my favorite. I think that's my favorite photograph from the entire day. Um, just because it is dramatic, the colors are, are... It doesn't feel like a wedding shoot. It feels like a fashion shoot, right? It's. I could totally see you doing something similar for one of your current shoots that you were speaking of before. Um, there is totally random. There is a photo of a palm tree that you took that morning before the ceremony that I have framed in the bathroom. So my wife and I, full disclosure, we use two different bathrooms. That's a brilliant idea. Great way to save a marriage. Yes. Um, that and definitely get two tubes of toothpaste. Always. Like just end it there. Uh, that palm tree lives in my bathroom. And I love that photo so much that I haven't done it, but like I even thought about getting a tattoo of that tree. Oh my gosh. Just because I, you know, it's our wedding day, right? Like, and it's that tree. Um, I'm sticking with the photograph for now. No, no ink yet. Good place to start. Uh, but you know, it's run through my mind before. Um, but you know, like just to go back to your process a little bit, I'm sure you've worked with your handful of assistants and things like that. Like, it seems like it would be a very high turnover position because I would imagine some assistants want to be the photographer, right? No longer an assistant. Or, hey, I just need to do this for a summer. Or let me just see if I like this. Like, what what is your relationship like? Not literally, but like with that position, not with the people. But like, what's your relationship with that position? Oh, man, I love that so much. No one's ever asked me that question in all this on all this time. And for me, coming out of the, the world of being a musician and playing in bands, sure. I have always tried to build my team around the concept of a band. That's great. I want everyone to be like to celebrate them for who they are as individuals mm-hmm. and bring what they have to the table to create this incredible show and this incredible experience for our couples. You know, so with that said, you know, my guys stay with me a long time. Like Dane was with me like three years. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, like Captain Cody, Captain Cody Adventure, he's been with me like six years. Wow. So like I really, I try to bring in people who are already my friends, people who share my values, who share my lifestyle, that they're surfers, they're skaters, they're artists. Like they can appreciate like just the radness of life. Right. You know? And, and I feel, and I, I don't think it's mandatory. There's so many incredible personalities out there. But for me, what I found 
why surfers make such incredible wedding photographers is we have to understand timing, positioning, split-second decision-making, and most importantly, the ability to, to f- approach a new crowd of people that we've never met before and create this incredible relationship so quickly so we can catch perfect waves right. and so we can catch perfect moments. That's so interesting. I was just talking to my wife the other day about how sports is so great with just even just levels of anticipation. Yes. And I feel like I may have said this on the podcast before about like being an infielder in baseball, I think makes you a better driver Mm -hmm. of a car Mm -hmm. just because you're able to anticipate. You can kind of see the play happen before it happens, or at least you're going through the different possibilities of okay, well, what if this car merges? What if that car, you know, suddenly breaks? And, you know, it's that mentality that I got from playing baseball, but like the surf analogy for photography is spot on as well. We, I just love it, you know, because so many of the times, like during cocktail hour, Hmm. we're like, we're holding back, you know, we'll have like longer lenses and we're literally scanning the entire like peripheral and just scanning every conversation. And we know, okay, uncle and auntie they're they're laughing they're having a drink something's fun's about to happen i can see like the little flower girl in the corner starting to get a little like rowdy with like the ring bearer or something i'm like i said go shoot that stay on them like you know start to understand you know the human experience and anticipate it so you guys just before covid got off of maui and went to oxnard yeah, so we had been planning it for a while. We knew we wanted to move back to California. We finally got island fever after eight years. Um, a, my parents were getting older. We wanted to be closer to them I and see. bring our kids closer to family as well. And um, we, you know, we just we were really we were meditating for a long time where we wanted to live. Originally, we were going to go to Santa Barbara because it's such a wedding mecca. Sure. One trip through Zillow, we're like, okay, that's not going to work for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just anything remotely in a good school district was wildly out of our budget. Sure. So we were just like, we didn't have clarity yet. We knew we were moving back, but we didn't have clarity. And we had, um, we just knew at that time too that we wanted to help others and try to figure out a way as much as we can to help other people. And through helping other people, we knew that clarity would be found. Sure. Um, so long story short, we were helping out this friend of ours. She was a, um, left her husband, had a little boy the same age as our youngest. She was just going through a hard time. So we're, we're helping her out. And turns out she knew her ex-boyfriend lived in Silverstrand in Oxnard, like right on the beach, little beach town. And so we was like looking at Silver Strand and I grew up surfing in Orange County and, and it, you know, it was a really localized heavy surf spot. Yeah, sure. Like all through the seventies, nineties, like Salt for, Creek for a long time, like Silver Strand. You no, know. where were you in? Oh yeah. Orange Laguna County. Beach. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Salt but Creek. I, I surfed Salt Creek a bunch. That yeah. was my zone. Heavy. And, um, you know, I was, I was in town for a job and my buddy, he, his little brother lived in Oxnard Shores. So mm-hmm. he's like, Hey, let's go surf with Brant. The waves are going to be good. I'm like, oh, man, like, I got a job tonight. I don't know. He's like, dude, come on. The waves are pumping. Let's go. I'm like, okay, okay, let's go. So he talked me into it. We rushed up there. We're suiting up. We're walking down to the beach. Every person we passed, good morning. How's it going? Like, everyone was so cool. We jumped in the water. The waves were pumping. I called my wife right away. I was like, babe, we can live in Oxnard. It's amazing. Like, it's so beautiful. And her first open to Zillow, our dream house popped up. Really? In our budget. And we just, we pounced on it. We, we, we put in an offer before we'd even seen it in person. Wow. That's funny. We just bought a new house and yeah, yeah thanks. 
and we put an offer in before Terry saw it. I went and looked at it, but that's that's crazy that neither of you had seen it. Well, we knew it was like it was modern. It was like big windows. It was white. It was like oh, this is like everything. Like wow, it was like it just looked like a dwell house from the outside. Yeah, and, totally. And the fact that it was in our budget, we were just blown away. We're like, we that has to be our house. Oh my god, that's amazing, man. I um wanted to ask you how sort you mentioned your kids and school districts. Yeah, how has fatherhood changed you? Man, you know, it's such an incredible adventure. You know, my oldest is 15 now, you know, and um, it's just when you're raising, and I have two daughters, and raising daughters, I think we have a particular, I mean, it's hard whether you're raising sons or daughters. Sure. But, you know, to to be so in touch with the feminine experience and the female experience and just trying to guide them the best I can to admire, you know, men like me as much as I possibly can men who are hardworking, who love their family, who are honest and have integrity and values, you know, I just, that's been, that's been a really incredible journey. Um, and just sharing my life and, and my experiences and my talents and the fun that I have with them is amazing. What's one trait of your own that you hope is instilled in them? Honesty. That's a good one. I mean, I feel it's the most important. It's all we have, you know, at the right. end of the day. It's just, if you're an honest person, no matter what this world throws at you, I think you're going to land on your feet. I love that. Well, not to just keep talking about surfing, but how often are you in the water? Let's see. Since January, it's been kind of nonstop surf, and it's been a slow first quarter, so I think think i've served almost every day except oh, wow. yesterday <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious i never asked you who's your shaper um that's what's great about it. once i moved back is the first time in my life i haven't been attached to a shaper so i've been enjoying boards from timmy patterson from cole channel islands lost i've got like such an incredible quiver right now of that's amazing great. boards that i'm just uh, it's super rad <laughs> oh that's amazing so how often are you back on Maui? Do you guys get over? Yeah. So last year was, was 20, once things opened up from COVID and then through all of last year, I was on Maui about half the year, both those years, which was, um, which was a lot of travel. Um, right after COVID lifted, I had all the reschedules and then I had all the new work. So I did about 75 weddings myself on Maui in 2021 wow. and about 40 last year. And now my team, they've they've all elevated now to the place where they're running events for me on Maui sure. most of the time. Nice. Um, if it's like a smaller an elopement or like you know under twenty people, my guys got it covered. They're gonna knock it out of the park. So when you're spending that much time on Maui, do you rent a place or what are you doing? Yeah, so I had an apartment in 2021 um, from my buddy, and then that was great for that whole year. And then as things started to slow down, I didn't need it anymore. Um, because there's a bit of a housing shortage sometimes on Maui. So sure. I wanted to have that available for someone who's there full time. Um, and now I'm just like calling up friends. I got a bunch of friends with Airbnbs, So I'll just rent one from them or couch surf with, with another buddy. And a lot of times the clients will put me up in hotels as well. So sure. Which doesn't suck to be at the four seasons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I'm, I'm a little partial for obvious reasons. I know but, you uh, <laughs> What, um, what's your surf spot on Maui? What's your favorite? Uh, I mean, obviously it depends on swell. Well, when, when it's happening, there's no better wave in the world than Honolulu Bay. It's just one of the most incredible machines and just 
it's one of the few places I've really been scared and giddy. Really? Exactly at the same time. Describe that wave that day. So this was the, the biggest day I'd ever surfed out there. It was Hawaiian 8 to 10 feet, so like 40 feet. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's double it, yeah, mainland. It's like triple, you know. It was it was so big, and, and I was out there. I was on this big board, and I was like, it was, it was a little trepidatious on the big ones, and but that was kind of the only thing that was coming in. I'd been out there for a few hours, and finally this one came right to me. And I was like, you know what? This is why I got this board. And this is why I'm here. I, I have to go right now. And uh, I turned, put my head down, paddled my brains out, and I caught one of the most incredible rides of my life. And not only was it the best wave I've ever had, but I had two amazing photographers one in the water get the water shot of me in the barrel no way and someone from land gets the land shot and i'll share them with you so you guys can attach it to the yeah. uh, to the pod but that Please. was the most incredible wave i've ever had and then paddling back out when it's that big at honolua all the cars are parked on the cliff and when the sets come people will start honking their horns right so i'm paddling back out and all i hear is honk, 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 and i'm like oh no put my head down i'm paddling as fast and as hard as I can because you see the wall coming down. When they're you moving quick. Oh, it, you you know it's coming. And this was like a solid 20-foot wave, like one of the biggest waves I've seen in person. And it's not like a crumbly 20-footer, which is one thing to negotiate, but this is a top-to-bottom monster. A wall. Yeah, just pitching, barreling, so much power. And I barely scratched over it. And at that point, I was like, you know what? I think I'm good. Like, that's my limit. <laughs> did you just go deep? What'd you do? I got over it. Oh, you did get over I it. I got over it, and then I just sort of paddled up the point, and then I caught a medium-sized one and went in because the swell was just on the march, and I was like, okay, that, I'm a, I'm a really good surfer, but that point, that wasn't fun for me anymore. Well, and you're also exhausted at that point, I'm sure. Yeah. You're out there for a few hours. Your arms are noodles. Yeah. It's, it's no longer safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're just going to get pummeled. <laughs> and it, but it was amazing. I survived. <laughs> All right. So we're here in Malibu. We're right by, um, I, I don't know, the, the path that leads you out to like second and third point, which is dope. We are on the back gate of your, is this X5? X5, yeah. Um, how, tell me about this car and how you chose it. Um, love this vehicle. Um, I, when we first moved back, I had I'd sold my 4Runner on Maui. So I knew I needed something that, you know, was an SUV. Right. Um, but also, you know, for pulling up to hotels in California, I needed something that was just a little higher end. Um, you know, it was a little more expensive than I, I wanted to, to be paying just moving back and not having a lot of prospects yet. Sure. But, you know, I think just part of the, you know, I don't want to say the display, but just having a nice vehicle, pulling up to hotels instills a, a fair bit of confidence. And Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like being a realtor, you know. You, well, you're into watches, which is another reason we hit it off on yes. wedding day. Um, you've got, wh what's on the wrist right now? Uh, today I'm wearing my Omega DeVille. It's got the, I think it's the 8800 movement chrono, uh, silver face, Roman numerals. I chose this one, you know, with Omega, you've got either the two main iconics, right? You got the Seamaster and you got the Speedmaster. Right. And I love those watches so much. I, just, I feel so many people already have them. Sure. That I was looking for something a little more unique, um, you know, and, you know, at this, at this 
price point, I could have gotten a sub, I could have gotten to a lot of things, but I really was after something that was a little more unique and could be a conversation starter. It's beautiful. And um, so I chose this one and I absolutely love it. So the Romans mixed with a twin register chronograph, which for modern pieces, I, I'm gonna say that's kind of rare, you know, from a design perspective, you know, to have Romans and a chronograph that isn't a vintage watch per se, like there's not many out there. I'd never seen one like this. And this minute I saw it, I was like, wow, that's so unique. Yeah. I, I have to have it. Like, the date's you know, subtle at six o'clock too. So yeah. no disruption there really. I, it's beautiful, man. I love it. It's really clean. And I just put it on the leather, which I love. It's bracelet is gorgeous too. Um, it just, I think with a piece this nice, the leather gives it a little more dress. Vibe. Yeah, it, gives, it dresses it up for sure. So I'm really happy with this. What one. else? You you actually brought a couple yeah, others, I, though. Yeah, I brought some goodies. So a little Let's talking see. watches here to end the episode. We love our watches. This was my first nice watch I bought for myself. This was a, sure. a TAG Formula One. Cool. This is a the Carrera Chrono. It's got a Valajo 7750. Sure. Um, Iconic. A great engine. Um, I love the two-tone band. And mm -hmm. the weight to it. So mm -hmm. It's a, a brushed steel with the ceramic, which I thought was really unique and different. Yeah, definitely. Um, but that watch has got a lot of weight to it, which is really cool. What year is this watch? That one I got in 2015, 2016, I think. That's great. That was when I first this left 40 Nixon. Two, 44 millimeter? 44, yeah, yeah. It's a little bigger. Yeah. But that was the first one I bought when, once I left Nixon and wearing like surf brand yeah, sure. kind of watches. Sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. Which I had quite the Nixon collection. Oh, likewise. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Still do. I gifted, yeah. gifted quite a few to friends, which was which was fun. And then this one's my Oris. I love my Oris Aquis. Um, this one's got the Salita movement. It was right before they switched to their in-house, like pretty quickly but i love the blue dial it's um it's got that blue sunburst yeah I just put it back on its um bracelet i did have it on the rubber dive band for a while nice love which it I, which was really sporty but it'd get a little sweaty in hot yep. weather okay um, yeah and now i figured putting the omega back on leather put this guy on bracelet bracelet and then i've got a little more variety and this one too six o'clock date i'm kind of a six o'clock date guy <laughs> this is great. I mean, obviously, the Valju 7750 is going to have the, the day and date, yeah. uh, which looks like they nixed the day and just left the date. But um, sort of a gunmetal sort of, um, what's the, dark gray yeah. sunburst dial on the, on the tag. So you got blue, gray, and a white dial, man. You've got, your bases are covered. Next up will be black, yeah, black dial. That's and what, what's the next one? Man, I'm really loving right now the Bomb and Marcier, the Rivera. Okay. They just re-released a new one with this sapphire crystal. It's it's, my, it's like a mellow skeleton. Sure. Where it's a sapphire crystal disc, so you can still see the gears, but it's like smoky black. Wow. It's gorgeous. I love that watch. Oh, I haven't seen that. I'm going to have to look that yeah, up. Yeah, I think that might be my next one. Sick. And I don't need a second mortgage to pick it up. Yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> oh so important. Yes. Especially if the surfboards keep rotating. <laughs> exactly. Someone sponsor me, please. Chris, man, this has been super fun. Thank you for meeting me in Malibu. Um, barring any hurdles previous to the recording, uh, this has been a blast. I really felt the hurdles made it all the more the adventure, Wes. No, I mean, that's what got us here. <laughs> Indeed. It makes it so much more worth it. Well, it's such a pleasure to be here. And, you know, I would just, I would love the listeners, you know, check out my work online. You Absolutely. Can find me on Instagram at Chris J. Evans Photo. 
and my website's chrisjevans.com. And if you're getting married, I'm your guy. Maybe I'll post my wedding photos. Let's do it. At, le- at least your four favorites. Yeah, yeah, the four <laughs> favorites on on the wall. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Awesome, man. Thank you, Chris. Thank Great you. to see you, brother. You as well. Okay. This wraps up this episode of the Standard Age Podcast. If you like what you heard, I'd love it if you'd share it with a friend or two. And if you have a moment, please rate and review the show as it helps others discover these episodes. It absolutely helps far more than you realize. Shout out to Jensen Reed and Super Beautiful for the theme track, as well as to Clear Audio for the noise-canceling headphones. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you in the next one. Take care. Take care.